invite you to open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. We're going to be spending most of our time tonight in this chapter. Uh, just a short passage, really, that I want to be looking at. <clears throat> um, you know that when you get to the beginning of the, of the gospel, I mean, it is the beginning of someone's life in particular. Now, Luke goes back uh, and gives a little bit more history before Jesus is born. But when you get to Luke chapter 2 and you get to the birth of Jesus, birth, the birth of Christ, the Lord's anointed, this king that they have been waiting on, that God's people have been waiting on for so long, um, really, it is presented in a very majestic and, and highly honorable way. A very glorifying way. In Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 8, you have it just it presented as an amazing story of what else but great news. It says, In the same region there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David... There has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. Now again, this is a beautiful, wonderful story of good news. And, and we, need to, we need to see it as such. This is a monumental moment in the Bible story because it really is what the whole Bible story hinges upon is the life of this man in particular. God manifested in the flesh, the Son of God. And so throughout all Bible history, it's a monumental moment. And so it makes sense why it is displayed as, as, such, a, uh, as such good news. But I don't want to focus so much on the birth of Christ this evening. I really would rather look at how the shepherds respond to this. In verse 15, which we'll read in just a moment, it says, when the angels had gone, the shepherds did something. It shows how they reacted to this good news. And so really what I want to look at this evening is, is how they they respond when they receive this good news, how they received it, how they could have received it and, and reacted to it. And, and really, I want to make some application at the end of how, how we need to respond to the good news when it's presented to us. And so uh, let's just look at the results of what came from this passage when you look at the shepherds. In verse 2, uh, or, or rather uh, verse 15 of Luke chapter 2, what you see is they act on what they hear. It says, When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, Let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. When they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart, the shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as had been told them. And so as you look in just a few verses, I think you see a very, in a monumental story, a very, really, monumental response. And I think it's the appropriate response when you are presented with the good news of Christ Jesus. 
And so they acted on the message that they heard. But how did they act? Well, first of all, they acted with sincere zeal, a zealous faithfulness. They, they wanted to witness what God had revealed to them. Um, and so when you think about this, I think you find this same kind of attitude, personality. You see the same kind of um, mindset when it comes to receiving the gospel. Over in Acts chapter 17, especially in the book of Acts, you see this over and over and over again. And we'll think about a couple other instances. But here in Acts chapter 17, the, it says that Paul and Silas, after they had struggled preaching the gospel in Thessalonica, it wasn't received very well. This good news. And so they had to leave Thessalonica. They come to Berea. And this is a very familiar passage because we talk about how noble-minded these brethren were, or, or these people were. What was so noble-minded about them? It says in verse 10 of Acts chapter 17, The brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went to the synagogue of the Jews. Now these were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica, for they received the word with great eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. Therefore, many of them believed, along with a number of prominent Greek women and men. And so you see even the result there when there is uh, good news, the good news of Christ Jesus preached to people with the, that kind of open heart. Now, um, a lot of times we, we come to this passage and say we need to be reading our Bibles daily. And I think that that's an appropriate application to make. But I think what you find even more so in the context is as the reason that they're searching the scriptures daily is because they are being presented with really good news. Again, this is in the first century when Paul and the rest of the apostles, they would be presenting the gospel to all, both to Jews and to Gentiles. And so when the Jews are receiving this message, really the mindset is more, is, is this true? There's an excitement because this is good news about salvation, about redemption, because they knew of all people they needed it. And so they, there's an excitement here and a, and a true sincere zeal as they hear this good news. And so it, it's a beautiful um, mindset that you see time and time again, as we were talking about a few weeks ago, having the heart of a, of a true convert, the heart of conversion. Now, what I think is interesting when you look at just a minor difference between this passage in Acts chapter 17 and Luke chapter 2 is the shepherds weren't necessarily seeing if these things were so, when you look back at Luke chapter 2, they wanted to just see what was so. And what I mean by that is, it looks as if there's no real doubt in their minds. God has revealed something, and in a glorious way. It says that the glory of God shone around them. And when they saw that, and when they heard the message, oh boy, they knew that it was true. And so they went to see it. Why? Because, they were, because of that excitement. They wanted to see this king. They wanted to see this savior and Lord, as Danny was talking about this morning in the Bible class, because he's one and, one and the same. Both must go together. And so they were presented with it, and they responded accordingly with the proper zeal. Now, I would just ask, when we're presented with the good news, and that's what the gospel means, it means good news, is this the kind of spirit that we have? If there's ever a portion of the scriptures where we read through it or someone talks about it and we say, hmm, you know what, let's talk about that another time. I, I really don't feel comfortable talking about this right now. Or, or there's a topic that maybe, you know, sometimes people will say, I'm afraid to study this out because I have a feeling that the Bible has something different to say than what I think about the matter. That's a terrifying mindset, especially if it comes from a Christian. Someone who says that they are a student, a disciple of Christ. That should never be something that comes, ac comes across our lips. 
Or, people, or maybe someone says, well, let's just agree to disagree. If that is the kind of things that we say when presented with the gospel, or when someone even just suggests, let's talk about this, let's see what the Bible actually has to say, very simply, we don't have this kind of spirit. One that acts with that level of zeal, with this level of, of faithfulness. Genuine, sincere, zealous faithfulness pursues truth. It doesn't try to keep it at arm's length. And so do we have that kind of spirit? Well, not only did they act with that kind of uh, zeal and faithfulness, but they did so urgently. In verse 16, does it say that they, after hearing the message, dragged their feet all the way to the city of David? <laughs> does, it, does it say that they, well, let's just see if something else comes along? No, no they hurriedly went. Why? Because, they, it, again, it was, exci- it was exciting news, it was good news, and they wanted to see... This Lord and Savior that God had said, that God had revealed, has finally come. That, they had, that all the Jews had been waiting on. And so, uh, when you look at the gospel message, inherently, it is an urgent message. And urgent, and when we say timely and immediate, that doesn't mean, as we just said a moment ago, well, uh, you know, that, that it's just sometime in the future, maybe in, maybe in a few hours, maybe in a couple days. No, it's right now. <laughs> And so right at that moment, they wanted to go, and they went. They heard the message, and they acted on it urgently. Um, Especially if you've been paying attention to the price of things, of really everything across our economy. Um, I don't necessarily know about the whole world, but at least in, in, in America, things seem to be just going higher and higher and higher, and it doesn't seem like it really ever wants to plateau. Uh, you, th- you see this especially with groceries. I remember memes that were coming out when, you know, milk and cartons of eggs were getting, you know, just more than $3, more than $4, $5, $6. There was a meme where somebody took a picture of a, just a dozen eggs and said, I'm not even going to put a price on this. This is a bidding war. I know what I got. <laughs> Be- because it, fr- frankly, has gotten a little bit expensive. Now, with that being in your mind, if someone, a friend, it would be a close friend or a family member who texted you this, but if someone notified you that there was a carton of eggs, or or there were cartons of eggs being sold at Kroger at Stoplight 16 for $2, how would you respond? Would you say, oh, you know what, let's ponder about this for a moment. Or or maybe, uh, there may be a better deal somewhere else, let's just sit here for a while. No, especially with how things are going right now, and you're trying to keep a tight budget, you're already in the car. And maybe you'll be talking in the car about, oh, look at this deal. That's a good deal. Hopefully there's another one that's even better. But no, we're immediately going to act on that. Why? Because that will run out. And, and, and so, and I know that, you know, sometimes when we use analogies, it's not an exact parallel. But when you talk about urgency, that's what we mean. It's right now. We're not going to drag our feet. We are going to immediately run and, do, uh, and, and try to fulfill God's expectations or his commandments. Not only that, but as they went, they shared this news with everyone. Uh, again, in, in chapter 2, in verse 20, <clears throat> first of all, just throughout this passage, you see how, how joyful they were and how excited they were as they shared this. But in verse 20, it says, The shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as had been told them. And and in verse 18, and all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. Does it sound like the shepherds were being quiet about this? No. In fact, it sounds a lot like the church in the book of Acts, in the Acts of the Apostles. What you see is they won't stop talking about this. Why? Because it's good news. And you never never want to hold good news in. 
I remember when Paige first got pregnant, and I, and I said, I'm posting this on Facebook. I'm calling everybody I know. I'm calling all of my associates from school that I don't even know their names of because I was excited. I wanted to let people know. This is good news. And she had to, you know, say, whoa now. <laughs> Not just yet. That We need to take some time. And <laughs> through much, um, much to my chagrin, I adhered to that advice. And it was probably wise advice. I'm still not sure about that. But you don't, you don't ever want to hold that exciting news in. Why? Because it's something that you love. It's something that you desire. Something that you have sought for. It's something that, especially in a case like this, provides hope. Maybe when there was none uh, prior. And so you see this over and over again in the New Testament. That these people, Christ's people, people that wanted to be a part of God's kingdom and obey God, they, when they received the message, they would often share it with others. And I would just say, I think receiving the message properly always results in that, in sharing the same good news with others. You see this, again, in Samaria in Acts chapter 8. Even though the gospel was being spread because of persecution, you may think that that would put a damper on that. That would kind of slow things down. But even in the midst of persecution, because of the gospel, what does it say in verse 4? But it brought much joy to the city. That's pretty striking. It's either verse 4 or verse 8. I can't remember now. But as the church was being scattered, because of the persecution, even though it brought much joy, that's exciting news. It's news of salvation. And, and, you, and again, you see it over and over again throughout the book of Acts. You see it in an account like John chapter 4, where Jesus is talking to the Samaritan woman in verses 25 through 30. What does that result in when she accepts it with that kind of faithfulness? When she accepts it with that open heart? She goes and she cannot stop talking about it. She goes and she's proclaiming it loudly to the city. And what results in that? But more people come to Jesus wanting to hear what he has to say. She says, come and, and, and see this man, someone who knows everything that I've ever done. And because of that one woman, many from the city, I may even say all from the city, wanted to come and hear from him. That's a powerful message. It's an exciting message. And again, I think that when the gospel, the gospel, its full effect will result in that kind of evangelistic effort. Even though maybe someone is not the most social of people. Again, when you're excited... It's very hard to contain that excitement. It's very hard for people not to see it. The same should be said about the gospel. And I, you know, when you think about um, people giving you gifts, um, whether it be you know, around Christmas time or birthdays or something, we tend to be excited about those gifts. Let's say that one of those moments, your grandmother, being the, the, the sweet old woman that she is, she decides to knit you a sweater. That's the thing that every teenage boy wants. And so she, she knits you a sweater, and, and somebody asks you, oh, where'd you get that? And it, when, when they ask you that question, you just say, oh, it's just some cheap thing that I got from somebody. It's nothing of consequence. If she hears that, how do you think that's going to make her feel? <laughs> She's not going to feel very good. Why? Because you can tell you don't appreciate it that much. And when we give gifts to people, we want them to be excited about it. We, we want them to show it. And we, we kind of take pride when they go around and say, oh, look at this. I just I would ask, how do you think it makes God feel when you, you, not anybody else, not the person sitting, you, how do you think it makes God feel when you're silent about this good news that saved you? I think it would probably be a little bit more serious than the sweet old grandmother that was trying to make you happy by making you a sweater. <laughs> because he gave a lot more than just some fabric.
So can I say that the gospel has had its full effect on me if I'm not sharing with others? I don't think that I can. It has its full effect on us when we are sharing it, when we accept it and make the changes that we need to do individually, but then when we are trying to share that good news with others. So they acted on this. Now, on the other hand, when the angels had gone, they didn't have to act on it. And I just want to think about maybe some things that they could have done instead of acting on it. For instance, one thing they could have done just from the outset is just ignored it. When they heard the gospel, when they heard this good news about this Lord and Savior, they could have just said, I don't really care. Well, what does that have to do with me? Well, obviously, uh, if that's the kind of mindset that they had, if that's what they said about it, the message wasn't really going to do anything for them. It's not going to do them any good because why? They're just putting it aside. They're throwing it away. Maybe they're just that, that seed that falls by the wayside. They, they, ha- they don't have the kind of heart. They don't have the kind of soil that they're supposed to have because they don't want it. They just simply don't want to hear it. They don't want anything to do with it. It's not going to do them any good. And therefore, all of the benefits of that message is not going to be given to them. Well, they not only could have dismissed it, they could have just underappreciated it. Now, that's an interesting thought. To underappreciate, to not appreciate enough the good news. You know what I think that often sounds like? Well, I'll just get to that later. <laughs> uh, I, I know that this is probably what I said. We'll just leave that aside for the moment. I don't want to get to that right now. I really think that that's what that sounds like often. Again, thinking about the parable of the soils in Matthew chapter 13 in verses 20 through 21, you remember what it says about the rocky soil? It doesn't make any firm root. At first, the person's very excited. They love hearing the word, but it doesn't take very long for that to dry up. And why? Because they didn't allow it to root deeply into their soul. They didn't allow it to root deeply into their hearts. It wasn't, sure, there was some level of zeal at the beginning, but it wasn't a lasting zeal. There was no faithfulness there. It was just a very, uh, a very immature and, and uh, preliminary zeal that doesn't do anything. Now, if the shepherds had said something like, well, we'll just get to that later. If they had done that, would their initial excitement have meant anything? If they had waited and said, hmm. This isn't as important as I think, you know, this isn't so important that we need to drop everything and go look and and see and find this Lord and Savior right now. What would it have accomplished? Would it have accomplished anything? Fathers, if you have a a daughter and a young man has been dating her or courting her, however you want to say it, and he comes to you and asks for your blessing and he says, well, I'm very excited to marry your daughter and I want to prove it. And then he never shows up again. Do you think that that was a, a, I mean, a, a true zeal, a, a sincere desire to really want to prove it? No. I, I mean, if he did desire it that much, he, he would have come back. He would have tried to prove it just like he said he wanted to. Yeah, maybe he was initially excited, but excitement alone doesn't accomplish anything. And so they could have underappreciated it. And they could have uh, allowed the gospel message to just uh, fleet away from their lives because they didn't act on it. The urgent, with the urgency that they were supposed to. They also could have just um, apathetically agreed with it. You know, they could have just said, oh, oh, amen, oh, surely, let it be. And, but really, what they're doing is just saying, oh, that's true, that, that's good stuff. But then they just do the bare minimum. 
right? And, and so, you know, maybe when the shepherds heard that message, they said, oh, you know what? Let's just give a thank offering and let's make sure that we give some offerings to God because he allowed us to see this. But then let's just get right back to work. <laughs> let's, uh, let's give a thank offering. Let's give him the sacrifice that, that maybe we think he would, be, he, he would like. But really, let's just get back to our everyday lives like nothing's really changed. Let me ask you something. Had, had something, had nothing really changed or had something monumentally impactful in the history of man just occurred. No, yeah, it's the latter. Something big had just happened. And so they needed to act like it. If they had acted like nothing happened, then they, they would have had no change in their lives. They would have had no desire to go and try to do these things. Well, of course, it wouldn't have done anything for them. And I think sometimes we can do that. We can agree, uh, we can agree that something is the truth, all we want. And, and, we can, and we can say, you know, oh, preach on. And we can say, oh, we, we believe what the, what, what the Bible says about this and what God has to say about this. But if we don't seek to apply it, I don't know what all that means. We, were just talk, we just kind of referenced James chapter 2 earlier. And I love how James talks about the man who goes to a mirror. And then immediately when he goes away, what happens? He, he forgets what he looks like. We need that mirror. We need that mirror so that way we can change. It needs to be an active and working faith, not just the apathetic one, not just the uh, underappreciative one, not the one that just dismisses it. We have to seek it diligently and, and with zeal and with faithfulness. Now, we go through all that just to say, I, I wanted to look at how the shepherds reacted and really how, a few ways in how they could have reacted. Because when you think about the last week, we just had a gospel meeting. And, and Brother John Dryden, I think he did a tremendous job. He went through several different lessons. And he gave us many applications throughout those lessons. We have not been visited by an angel. But let me tell you something. We've certainly been visited by a messenger of God. We have been visited by someone who says, thus saith the Lord. And so with the remaining moments that we have, I just want to ask the question, how will we respond to the good news that was presented to us this past week? As I said just a moment ago, there were several lessons that he presented as he talked about walking confidently with God. Are we going to act on that good news or are we just going to refuse to grow, refuse to listen? Have you started the walk as he talked, as he began that series with? Have you become a Christian and have you obeyed God's conditions to be a part of his kingdom? As we were speaking about earlier, though, maybe you started that walk. Are you sharing that good news that, that you responded to? Remember how we said that the gospel, when it has its full effect, it produces evangelistic people. Are we being evangelistic? If not... Has it really had its full effect on you? Did you, um, as you were listening to some of those lessons, get excited by some of the things he said? I tell you, when he was talking about prayer, that, that really convicted me. There was, that was not the only moment, but especially when he was talking about prayer, I, I, I thought to myself, I, I know I can do better, and I really want to. And there may have been several people here who have thought the same thing. I, I really, really want to do better. And we got excited about that. And we thought, all right, let's, let's use this zeal and let's get to work and let's start praying more. Let's start praying every day and let's start praying more frequently every day. Start praying longer every day. Let me just ask. There's been a few days since then. It's been more than 48 hours. Has that zeal, has that excitement already died out? 
Have you forgotten how he stirred you up to, to be more devoted to prayer than maybe you were beforehand? Do you look at that and say, maybe, well, I know that I need to fix that, but I'll get to it later. <laughs> Let me tell you, whenever we look at the Bible and we say, I'll get to it later, ultimately what that means is, I won't. <laughs> Translation, I won't. We need to respond to the message. It, it's those who understand that it is an urgent message. Those are the ones who respond. And so, have you responded? Or have you let that excitement die out? He talked about how Christians are people who are busy about doing good works. Are you really working? Or are you merely just saying, oh, amen, I agree with that, that's totally accurate. Yes, we, we do need to be evangelistic. We do need to be about the business of, of taking care of, of uh, those among us, especially those among our number. Are we only doing the bare minimum? <laughs> yes, oh, I agree with it. What are we doing, though? Can we back that word up? Can we back that statement up with faithful action? As we talked about in James chapter 2. He mentioned this during that lesson about hospitality and about going and making sure you know where everybody lives. I'll tell you something, that convicted me. Me and Paige always had a goal wherever we were going to go when we were at Buckhorn and when we came here. And it, 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 was, kind of, um, uh, it was kind of slowed down when we had Hawk. But we have a goal that when we go somewhere, wherever we go, we want to have every single family in our house by the time we've been there for a full year. Let me tell you something, if you haven't been there yet, uh, just be warned. <laughs> you will get the invitation at some point. And so just, you know, work up the courage if, if, you're, if you don't want to come. <laughs> but as he was talking about that, that really convicted me because I thought, wow, how easy it is. It's a good work to be a parent. Don't get me wrong. But I don't want to use that as an excuse. It, it, it is hard with a baby, granted. But does that mean... That just because things are difficult, just because it's harder to get things done, does that mean that I don't want to be busy about my father's works? No, no. I don't want to be neglecting hospitality for any reason. Or, or thinking more about that, are you trying to find out what needs done in the church or for the church? Are you trying to figure out the needs of the people here? Seriously. Are you, are you thinking, are you actively thinking about the person across the room from you? Or are you designating that for someone else? No, that's, that's your job. That's your job. Are you trying to seek how to consider, are you considering at all how to stir one another up into love and good works? <laughs> you should be. If you're not, you're just, you're only saying amen, but you don't really mean it because you're not doing it. Are we trying to, as he said in, in that last lesson, are we trying to excel still more in the work that we're doing? Are we trying to grow? I would just say, if you're not trying to grow individually, if you're not trying to help this church family grow, if you're not trying to grow this church by sharing the gospel with others, we're not responding properly. Plain and simple. And so with all that being said, let's respond to the gospel message that we heard. Let's not give any excuses. Let's... <laughs> Respond to the good news, which is the gospel. Many of us, uh, I heard a few people, including me even at one point, saying uh, this week after some of the lessons, that really stepped on my toes. I always love what J.R. said when people told him that. 
first of all, he says, well, what are you going to do about it? <laughs> but ultimately, when people come up and say that to him, he says, if I hit your feet, I missed my target. I was aiming for your heart. And that is what the gospel message is supposed to do. It's supposed to, it's aiming straight for your heart. It's supposed to pierce it. It's that double-edged sword that discerns the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Are you allowing that to happen? Or are you hearing the good news, dismissing it? Are you hearing the good news and, and saying, well, I'll just get to that later? We need to make sure that we are urgently, actively responding to the good news. And that's not just for those who are not Christians. That's for you, brother and sister. You don't get to put that work down. That's, you're even more responsible. And so maybe you need to come back. Maybe you need to revitalize that zeal. If you are not a Christian, though, I would just say, remember where that conversation, that series started. You know how to start the walk with God. He has given us conditions. You've heard the gospel. Do you believe? And what that means is, are you going to be faithful? Will you be faithful to that gospel message? Will you be faithful to the king? And therefore, do away with everything he says that you need to do away with. Are you willing to pledge publicly that He is the Son of the living God, that you are submitting yourself to Him? Make that good confession. And to be baptized into His death to rise in newness of life. You can make that happen tonight. If you're subject to the invitation of Christ by any means, please let your need be made known as we stand and as we sing.